Could Shohei Otani really end up in a Boston Red Sox uniform? It sure seems like he might be a viable option as more and more reports are linking Boston to be one of the top teams in on the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Red Sox, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gabby Hurlbutt, former ESPN social media associate and current host of the Boston Balling Podcast, here to bring you the latest in all things Boston Red Sox, Monday through Friday, straight to your favorite podcast feed for free. And who wouldn't love free Red Sox content? Any diehard fan like myself would always appreciate that and be down for that. So tune in for free every day on whatever podcast platform makes you the most comfortable. I will be there. And you know who else will be there for you? Sirius XM. They have you covered for the home broadcast of every Red Sox game. Just search Red Sox on the Sirius XM app and you can catch the home broadcast of every game. So you don't have to miss a single pitch of Red Sox baseball. And I promise you in 2024, that will be worth it because the Red Sox have a lot of decisions to make in this offseason regarding the 2024 team, who stays, who goes. I've mentioned a number of players who may not be in a Red Sox uniform next year, and Alex Verdugo, I truly believe, is the number one candidate that I'm looking at that could be a trade piece this offseason. Um, he provides value. He struggled this season in Boston, but he could really provide – just a lot of balance to another roster. So I think there's a good possibility he gets traded um, from a pitching standpoint. They really need to grow and improve there. Um, so I think we could see some changes there. Is this superstar a viable option for the Boston Red Sox? His name's been buzzing. Um, he's hitting free agency. He's frustrated with the Angels, um, just disappointed in what sounded to be their lack of ability to get to the postseason during his tenure. And he's just a generational talent who arguably could end up being the best baseball player of all time. Shohei Otani, more and more reports are linking him to the Boston Red Sox. And according to John Heyman, who, if you are unsure, is a baseball columnist for the New York Post and has bounced around to other companies within um, the baseball community as well. He came out on Twitter and said that the Red Sox are emerging as bigger and bigger favorites to land the superstar. Now, Take that part with a grain of salt in some ways, because obviously a report is what it is. It's a report. What basis does he have for giving this report? We don't know. But all I know is that it has Red Sox Twitter absolutely buzzing. Shohei Otani, the fact that he does both hitting and pitching so well already sets him apart from everybody else in baseball. and. 
my fiance is a baseball coach, granted not at the major league level. So it's very much not the same, but he has some young players who have looked up to Otani and said they want to eventually be a two-way player also. And I say, kid, all power to you. If uh, you feel like you can maintain that consistency, by all means do it. And the reason it's so rare in that Otani is the only one that we're seeing be able to do that is because people can't maintain both at that competitive of a level and be able to get a major league baseball contract. It just doesn't happen. And the fact that he didn't have to be a pitcher only and was able to hit just as effectively just speaks volumes about the type of player he is. He ended the season with a 304 batting average and 412 on base percentage. This was prior to his September injury in which he couldn't play the rest of the season after that, unfortunately. Um, in the 654 slugging percentage, so he was getting on base a lot, putting up all-star caliber numbers offensively, and not even to mention his pitching. I mean, this guy is very special. His last outing on the mound was August 23rd um, against the Reds, in which he gave up zero earned runs, one walk, and two strikeouts. Um, and I believe he you know, had to be pulled from that game and it was sad and he's now unable to pitch for a while, but he ended the season with a 314 earned run average, which I mean, <laughs> that's pretty good, especially if you're hitting and pitching in the way that he is. So it's been reported that he now won't be able to pitch until 2025, which is such a huge blow for a team that's going to be in the sweepstakes, which I suspect is going to be a lot of teams, because now you're looking at committing to a player who won't pitch until 2025. Um, do you still bring him in anyway and just accept the fact that you could probably just primarily use him as a DH in 2024. And then when he's able to come back and pitch in 2025, then you add him to your rotation at that point. That's a decision the Red Sox have to make if they really are serious about pursuing him. And from the looks of it, it seems like there's a mutual interest there. So the Red Sox have to decide, hey, do we want to commit to this guy and give him, you know, a longer term contract and a hope that he's able to pitch effectively to the point where he was before, because the Red Sox need the pitching aspect. That to me is what's going to set him apart and help the Red Sox in the best way that he can is on the pitching side of things, because we know they can hit and they have a lot of players who are super strong offensively and will put up a lot of runs on a daily basis. So the offense isn't as much what we would need him for. I mean, obviously, you're not going to sit here and say off offensively, Otani would not help the Boston Red Sox because that would be just foolish to say and just is not a thing because if he does come in and hit, he's going to help boost the Red Sox offense for sure. But is it worth the Red Sox committing to him when for one, he won't be able to pitch right away. And for two, even when he is able to come back and pitch, is he going to be nearly as effective as he has been? And there have been talks of 
how long is Otani going to be able to make it work and do both? And that's a valid concern to have because despite his talent, which is remarkable and something we honestly might never see again, even despite all of that, eventually his arm is not going to be able to pitch effectively if he's also hitting consistently on a regular basis. So you have to plan for eventually that being the case and him not being able to do one or the other and the likely one to go first would be the pitching and that towards the end of the contract, he is just a DH. So my thought is, do the Red Sox commit to that and decide they're okay with um, the fact that he now won't be able to pitch for a full season? If I'm the Red Sox, I'm saying no, and I'm a little apprehensive to that because they could go out there and get a starting pitcher like Yamamoto who can provide a spark for the Red Sox rotation and can be that guy at the top, presumably, that can really help boost that rotation to make it a championship contending rotation, at least a team that can fight for a playoff spot. So if you sign Yamamoto... Do you need Otani and is it worth it? I mean, granted, if the Red Sox go out and get Otani, I'm not going to sit here and complain and say it was a bad idea because Otani is never a bad idea. Even though he can't pitch for a full season, he's still a high-level talent who could do so many things at that level. So regardless of what they decide to do and how they handle the situation, he's still somebody who's going to help make your team better in some capacity. So I still suspect that there's going to be a lot of teams in on him, despite the pitching thing, there could be some restrictions and teams who might want to reevaluate if they want to seriously pursue him or not, which I totally understand. But according to the John Heyman report and what has people buzzing on Twitter is him coming out and saying the Red Sox, are emerging as more and more favorites to get Otani. So there is a reason behind all of this. I have to believe, I don't think he would just pull this out of thin air. So there is a chance Otani ends up with the Boston Red Sox folks. So stay tuned on that. Coming up, I'm going to be talking about the face of the Red Sox franchise and telling you why he is and will continue to be the face of the Red Sox franchise. So that is coming up next. It's football season, so that means pizza, wings, and maybe even some buffalo chicken dip, which is my favorite. I love it. Whatever you prefer at your tailgate, go all out and get cash back on every purchase with Ibotta. I mean, honestly, it's just such a great service because – They can offer you so many different things. It's now that time of year where you're cleaning out your closets, transitioning from summer clothes to winter clothes, and Ibotta can give you cash back on winter coats, hats, gloves, scarves, and more for your entire family. Um, That's what's so great about it. You can get cash back for purchases on so many different things. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care, to pantry goods. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. 
Download the Ibotta app and use code MLB to start earning real cash back. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code MLB. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code MLB. I mean, I know that I'd want to get cash back on stuff and I'm sure you would too because things are expensive now. I mean, have you seen how expensive groceries are? It's ridiculous. So head to Ibotta and get that cash back to make your money more worth it. Raphael Devers is the face of the Boston Red Sox franchise. And he will be the star for the Boston Red Sox to come. I've seen too many conversations on Twitter of people doubting Raphael Devers or saying he's not the guy or saying they shouldn't have given him that contract. And that to me is interesting because so many people were screaming for the Red Sox to extend him prior to him signing that contract and saying that would be so dumb of the Red Sox if they don't extend him. And absolutely, that would have been an awful look on the Red Sox front office if they could not get a deal done with Rafael Devers. And then sure enough, they did. And I remember sitting in my basement screaming when I found out that news because it was super exciting and it's just so worth the money. You don't want to not spend money on a player like Raphael Devers. So to put things into perspective here, did Devers struggle defensively? Yes. He had negative nine runs saved this season on defense. Um, So it definitely took a step back. So that's something he has to figure out. But he ended up posting an 851 OPS with 33 home runs, which is the second most of his career and also 100 RBIs he hit as well. So are there improvements he still has to make? Absolutely. Um, But he's still the centerpiece of the Boston Red Sox lineup. And if you really put things into perspective, if you take him away The Red Sox are a way worse team. He is a defensive liability. There is the conversation that could come up of, in the future, does he end up just being converted to a full-time DH? I think absolutely yes. Towards the end of that contract, I could totally see the Red Sox just converting him to a DH and not having him play defense and signing somebody else to play third base who – can maybe be more reliable on defense. But if they convert him to a DH now, that's tough because of how much money they spent on him to really provide value in a lot of different areas for this Red Sox team. You don't spend that much money and give somebody that big of a contract just to be a designated hitter. And granted, yes, the DH role is important. And we still don't know for sure who the Red Sox DH is going to be in 2024. Is it going to be Justin Turner? Is it going to be, um, you know, Adam Duvall? Is it going to be Tristan Casas and they bring back Turner and he plays a lot of first base? Is it going to be Yoshida? Who is it going to be? The Red Sox don't have a set DH for 2024. And whether Turner decides to come back or not, I think um, – is going to end up determining a lot of that. Um, But either way, I'm not seeing them make 
Devers a DH just yet. I think there's still hope there that he can improve defensively. Um, because yes, he was responsible for some defensive miscues this year. The primary liability on defense was Kike Hernandez when he was playing shortstop, but there were plenty of times where Devers couldn't make what appeared to be the simpler plays. And it was weird because he was making harder plays from third base. So it was very odd the way that this kid operated when it came to the types of plays he could make and the types of plays that he couldn't make. But when you think about the pressure that comes with signing that big of a contract and being expected to be the guy for years to come, that takes some getting used to and some sinking in. And early on in the season, I believe that that is the reason he struggled was because he was dealing with all this outside pressure of people talking about him and him being the guy. And a lot of players like being the guy and I'm sure he likes it, but it takes some getting used to. And when they signed him to that contract, that sets the message that we want to build our team around you. And if I were in his situation, that would be a lot of pressure for me to handle because I'd be trying to focus a lot on not disappointing the front office, making sure that I'm performing up to expectations so that they don't regret signing me to that contract and setting a good tone for my fellow players on the team and making sure to be a guy they could look up to on the field that they could rely on to get that big hit in those big situations. Now, what I will say on those lines of getting that big hit in big situations Devers is a power bat. He will not hit for contact as much. He is more that guy in the Red Sox lineup that will hit for home runs. And when he gets it over the fence, it's super exciting. And I expect through the rest of this contract, him to have a similar hitting style in terms of being able to hit a lot of home runs, but not necessarily being that contact hitter as much that will get on base as much and hit those singles and doubles. And yes, he does pull those out of, out of the water, but the Red Sox have other hitters who are more contact hitters. So when it comes to his batting average, I don't expect it to always be the best batting average in the world. And that's why you look beyond batting average and you say, okay, he's driving in a lot of runs probably because he's getting those big hits. And you need somebody like that to balance out the lineup because I feel like there was a period of time where the Red Sox didn't have enough power in the lineup. And I still feel like that's kind of the case. They don't have enough heavy home run hitters in the lineup right now, but Devers at least can help with that problem in terms of being somebody who, you know, can um, provide those big hits and that power bat when the Red Sox need it. So Raphael Devers is still the star of the Boston Red Sox. Eventually I expect him to be moved to DH full-time. I don't expect that to be now, um, but at some point I do think it'll happen. But the Red Sox should still be building the team around Devers. I just felt like it was worth talking about because I've seen some people who have been down on him after this season, but he still had a really good season. So Raphael Devers is the Boston Red Sox franchise player, the face of the organization, and will continue to be, and the Red Sox should continue to treat him as such. Coming up next, there have been some doubts that have come out and reservations from other baseball people that the Red Sox are interested in bringing in to replace Heim Bloom. 
Why are those reservations there? I'm going to be going over all of that next. It's the best month in the world right now for sports betting. October is such a fun month with playoff baseball, NFL here, hockey and basketball about to start, and WNBA is in the finals. Who wouldn't love this time of year for sports? Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. I know sports betting companies like to advertise themselves by saying, oh, you can win a lot of money with us. But I know from firsthand experience from close friends I have who use FanDuel on a daily basis, they have actually won a lot of money. And I think that's because it gives you so many options to bet on different things and make picks on different types of categories. And they really set you up for success. So if you're looking for a sports betting app that truly means it when they say you can win a lot of money here, FanDuel is the place to go. SiriusXM is also the place to go. If you want to catch the home broadcast of every Red Sox game, just download the SiriusXM app, search Red Sox, and you can get the home broadcast of every single game straight to your feed for free, and you won't want to miss that for sure. What is the 2024 Boston Red Sox team going to look like as we continue to progress through the offseason and watch and monitor different moves the Red Sox might make. The front office search is on. The Red Sox have potential candidates that they're interested in interviewing, but there are some candidates who have had known reservations about the process, and there's a couple different reasons for that. One of them is Alex Cora's power within the Boston Red Sox organization. I personally don't understand why he has so much of a say. I mean, he is the manager, the on-field manager who is in the dugout and works with the players, and that should be what it is. I don't like the idea of Cora having a say in these other front office personnel decisions because there is so much that goes into being the chief baseball officer or the general manager to the point where Alex Cora might not understand that whole process because that's not what he was hired to do here. And if I'm from another organization and the Red Sox are looking to bring me in, I'm thinking to myself, how much of a say am I really going to have alone in these decisions? Am I going to be able to make decisions for this organization that set them up for the best possible success? Or am I going to get overridden by Alex Cora, who is the manager of the baseball team and works with the players in the dugout? And is it going to affect my ability to build this roster in the best way possible. So I don't really blame people for having that reservation because it is a little weird how much more of a say Alex Cora has in these things. And when it comes to the coaching staff, I think absolutely Alex Cora should have a say in that because the coaching staff is constantly all together. They're working together during the games and there needs to be some cohesion and chemistry between the coaching staff 
to be able to communicate on a regular basis. So Alex Cora and the hitting coach and the pitching coach and the first base coach and the third base coach and the bench coach, like you name it, like there needs to be coordination there because if the coaches don't work well together, that will directly impact the product on the field. I mean, it could be a disaster if the coaching staff as a whole isn't on the same page. So when it comes to coaching staff hiring decisions, I absolutely think Cora should be involved in those. But when it comes to other personnel, like front office types of decisions, I think the Red Sox should give Cora less power within that. And I just hope it doesn't affect the search process too much and deter people too much. Um, and I think for that, you know, the Red Sox can fix that very easily by lowering his responsibility and his say when it comes to front office hiring decisions. Another reason why people from other organizations are feeling a little hesitant about the position is the tenure of people that have been in the position that Heim Bloom was in. Um, the last three, you know, GM slash president of baseball operations people have all lasted an average of less than four years, even though Sherrington and Dombrowski won the World Series during their tenure. So with the exception of his sabbatical after the 2005 season, Theo Epstein ran baseball ops for the Red Sox from 2002 to 2011. Then you go down the list. Ben Sherrington got 1,393 days in the position, which I'm not a math whiz, but that's not very long. Dave Dombrowski got 1,493 days, and Heim Bloom got 1,417 days. So that's all roughly about 3.8 years. And um, how do you attract top candidates if you're not keeping people long term? Because whoever comes in, what are they supposed to think is winning the World Series not long enough? Because with these other people, it's like they did win the World Series during their tenure and didn't get it a lot of time. Like Sherrington and Dombrowski both saw a World Series championship during their tenure. So if I'm an outside person thinking about stepping into the Red Sox role, I'm thinking, am I going to get enough of an opportunity to be here long enough where I can really see this through for long enough? And with Heim Bloom, you know, the results just ultimately weren't there for what the Red Sox wanted and were looking for during his tenure with finishing in last place in three of those four years and not really showing a lot of um, success at the major league level. So if I'm, somebody who's a potential prospect for the job, the Red Sox absolutely have to do what they can to reassure that person that they can be the person for the job and they see them being there long-term because there is a big possibility that somebody doesn't accept the job because they're worried about in a few years, the Red Sox changing it up. Um, the question is, you know, what type of person are they looking for? Do they want an old school candidate? Um, someone who's willing to give up a lot of prospects and trade for more established, proven players at the major league level? Or are they looking for somebody who can kind of hang on to the prospect pool and make some moves that can try to make the major league team competitive, but might not make put them at the top? 
But they have to decide that. And I'm going to say they want somebody more for the former because of getting rid of Bloom and his style was more stocking up the prospect pool and really doing a good job of revamping the farm system, but not focusing as much on the major league roster. So I'm going to guess they want somebody who maybe isn't quite at Dombrowski's level, but is in between the two, somebody who isn't just blowing the whole farm system up, but also is trying to acquire some proven stars to bring into this organization. So um, I would like the idea of a happy medium between the two people. I think that would be the ideal candidate, but they have to nail the hire. They have to find somebody who um, can navigate high expectations because the pressure is on now. The Red Sox have had a few bad seasons where they just have not been competitive. So the Red Sox want to be competitive now. So whoever they do bring in has to nail the hire and, you know, has to nail the position essentially because the Red Sox are not looking for somebody who can be mediocre at this point. They are looking for somebody who's going to come in and right away be able to do the job. But honestly, they need to reassure people. The pressure is on the Boston Red Sox to show these potential candidates that they are serious about finding somebody who can be there long term. Because if I'm looking at that track record, I'm not liking it either. It's like finding any job. Like, would you accept a job? If the job had quite a bit of turnover over the last several years, would you feel comfortable taking that job knowing, hey, this position has had a lot of turnover recently. Why is that? Do they kind of get tired of you after a little while or do they just get to the point where they feel like you're not a good fit? So then they just recycle and replace you with somebody else. That's where I'm at. And I don't really blame those people who have the reservations. So at the end of the day, the Boston Red Sox have to nail the hire, bring somebody in who can be competent, knows what they're doing on the business side of baseball, understands where the holes are in the Boston Red Sox roster, and can really put this team back in contention because the Red Sox as an organization are getting impatient with that. So let's hope that they find the right person for the job. As always, keep the faith, go Red Sox, and I will catch you on the flip side.